and welcome to Crying on My Yoga Mat. My name is JD, and this podcast is all about building a community where, alongside amazing guests, we have real conversations about the low lows, celebrate the highs, and everything in between. I know what it's like to go through life feeling stuck and powerless to do anything about it. Here, you'll meet yourself where you are and learn tangible tools to help you become who you want to be while honoring the journey. You've gotten this far, so let's keep going together. Take a deep breath. In this episode, we have my amazing friend, Jacqueline Alley. Jacqueline is a local entrepreneur who co-founded MakerCube, a community makerspace, with her husband, Adam, and business partner, Doug, along with providing the Langley community a social hub for woodworking, welding, art, rapid prototyping, and pottery. She's passionate about helping people dive into their own creative journeys. In 2019, Jacqueline and her co-founders were recipients of Futurepreneur's Entrepreneur of the Year Award for recognition of their contributions to helping small startups. In her spare time, she enjoys painting, pottery, time with loved ones, hiking with me, and lounging in the sun. And I'm going to add, she's an all-around amazing human being. I know you are going to gain a lot of amazing insights from this episode. So without further ado, here we go. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> I am so excited to be here. I remember you actually talking about a podcast like a few months ago. Yeah. And now you, we're here. You were a big encouragement for me to get going on it. Awesome. Amazing. For the audience, Jacqueline and I have known each other for, do we age ourselves or do we just say a long time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, long enough for it to be significant. Yes. Yeah, we definitely go way back. And that gives us so much like depth, which is so nice. And I think every time we kind of reconnect, it's like, wow, it doesn't feel like it's been two years at all. We're just up to date and get back in sync with what's going on in our lives, which has been really cool over the years. So thanks for having me on your Thank podcast. Thank you for being here. It's, <laughs> it's so much fun to uh, to watch how similar cycles in other people's lives are. Like everyone's experience is so unique, but they follow similar patterns. And like, we're usually at very similar stages. Absolutely. What would today Jacqueline like to tell the audience about herself? That's a big question. I want to kind of just share and like talk a little bit today about kind of the mental struggles that I've gone through and how that's actually helped me become a stronger person. So I feel like I'm very much always focused on other people and how I can help them access their creativity, achieve their goals. I'm very much the cheerleader in that sense. But when it comes to how I internally feel about myself, that's been something that I've struggled with. Um, and today, Jacqueline has worked through that quite a lot and is very much in a better place mentally and thinking about herself in a kinder light. I think of myself as pretty creative. I'm a Leo, if that makes sense too. <laughs> That's kind of the personal intro. The other intro is of course that I'm part of an amazing business that I started with my husband called Maker Cube. Always a part of the conversation in my life. 
but small business you gotta always 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 plug that small business yes it's like a baby you're always thinking about it so (laughs) yes another thing I want to add to your bio is you are an Enneagram too because as you were describing yourself I was like two 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 that's a two that's a two I don't know much about that. We do the um, the Myers-Briggs test at work. I'm a, an ENFP, and that's kind of what I would go by. Awesome. So let's get into it. What, if you have any specific ones, is your mm-hmm. crying on my yoga mat story? Okay. Well, I'll start off by saying I did not have any trouble thinking of a crying on my yoga mat story. I had trouble choosing one. and. <gasps> Oh, when I told you about the concept months ago, you're like crying on my yoga mat. Oh, I've done that. And you completely knew the concept right away. You were one of the first people I told about. And you're like, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I've literally cried on a yoga mat. And I was thinking, how fun would it be if I shared the story of when we went hiking on that mountain and had to, I had to drive up that very (laughs) sketchy logging road and just had like the biggest panic attack. But that was basically just a moment of anxiety. It was not a big crying on my yoga mat moment. <laughs> it's okay. Ryan just had to like put yeah. your bumper back together at the bottom of the mountain. That was, that was time. Um, no, but my actual crying on my yoga mat moment, I think I'll share the most recent one because it's actually the one that gave me a really good learning opportunity afterwards. It's the very recent in March of 20. 21. We're at the one year anniversary point of the pandemic. And I had a wave of low self-worth because one year into the pandemic and I hadn't worked towards any of the goals that I set last year. So March, 2020, I'm like, I want to launch my Etsy page. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to do all these very specific things that I want to achieve out of this otherwise overwhelming world event. And I think for like a quote unquote normal person, you have that wave of self-doubt and then you carry on. Wait, because people carry on after self-doubt? Some <laughs> some people carry on, but I hold on to those mm-hmm. negative thoughts. And so just uh, for context, like I have anxiety. I've experienced depression. I'm working with my doctor to see if I have ADHD. So there's some, you know, some different cognitive functioning happening. So once I had that wave of low self-worth and that realization that, oh, I haven't worked towards my goals at all, I hung on to that very closely. And then the negative dialogue starts and it just becomes this, I think Brené Brown calls it a shame spiral. And I was very sick in that moment for a good, good month. Like March was a low, a low month. Um, And that was my most recent crying on my yoga mat moment. That sounds very real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for validating that. Well, it's incredible that we've gone through Oh, you know what? I'm going to center it on you. Like you are a small business owner that opened your business. I'm sorry. How, how soon within the pandemic? We opened in August of 2018. Okay. So we were already into like our two years at that point. Yeah. And the first like five years of a business are so integral 
like just yeah. so important. So to be even continuing to float a small business, just the two of you and like your partner during like all of this nonsense and your brain's still like, but come on, there's more yeah. you could have done. <laughs> and I think that was definitely part of it as as much as I had these personal goals for myself, we immediately had to go into survival mode to make sure our business could keep afloat, especially in those first few months when it was very unsure as to what was happening. And then once we continued to reopen and get back into the flow of things, I was still very much focused on what was happening with the business. So I, I think I completely neglected any of my own needs, any of my own self-care for about a year. And then it just like whoosh, caught up to me. So from your experience this March, you're crying on your yoga mat moment. Just the the real question, like how did you get off the yoga mat crying? <laughs> like how did you get through? How did you get past? <laughs> the metaphorical. Fortunately, because I had the self-awareness and I was very aware of what was happening I knew how to get out of it eventually once I made the decision that I didn't want to feel like that anymore and making that decision to not feel like that anymore sometimes is the hardest part because you kind of think you're deserving of that emotion so I want to I want to touch on the choice because that is what it is like you just absolutely bullseyed it it is have to make the choice to make better choices. Yes. And you have to do it when you're in the right mindset as well. You're not doing it because you feel negative about yourself. You have to feel deserving of what you want. If it's, oh, I need to start creating more artwork. And if I don't, people are going to judge me and I'm not being enough of this. I'm not good enough at this, so I have to get better. That's a very negative critique versus a more gentle approach of, oh, I want to start a project and have this learning experience and cultivate a bit more curiosity in my life. Then you're going to have a much more pleasant experience. So I, I knew what it is that I wanted to do. I wanted to start creating again. I, I love painting. I love doing pottery. I kind of have a side Instagram where I post what I've made and I haven't done any of that in about a year. And the kind of second piece was knowing exactly what was going on in my mind and how I could address that. And that was two things. I was actively self-sabotaging myself and that was preventing me from starting and from getting out of that negative thought process. And I was experiencing a very heavy imposter syndrome with my creative abilities, with my role, I guess, in our business. And that imposter syndrome was also affecting how I would come out of that negative feeling. Yeah, so those those two things were the big contributors to my self-worth and to not going forward with the goals that I had. That was not a good place to be in. But once I became very aware, then I could work through it and felt, felt a lot better at the end. 
That's awesome. For self-sabotage, how was that uh, presenting itself? So I think for me, especially like I, I like organization. I like to be prepared. And I know as a maker, as a creative, if I've got my workstation cleared, I've got my tools that I need ready to go. Say, for example, I wanted to paint something. All my brushes should be clean. The workstation should be cleaned off. I should maybe have like a rough sketch of what I want to do. And more importantly, I should have the time set aside for it. I was actively kind of making sure that none of that was happening. My studio at work was a mess. I would overload myself with time in other things so that I wouldn't invest any time in this. I wasn't seeking out that inspiration. I was kind of just watching Netflix and other things that don't really serve as an inspiration for me. And that just creates the self-sabotage in your head that, oh, it's not going to work out because of this excuse, this excuse, and this excuse. And I find some people actually self-sabotage in a way that they're not even going to start because they're making the conscious choice not to. And that can be something as simple as, oh, I'm not going to do this because I'm not creative. Well, you're not going to be creative if you already limited that in your head. You're making the decision to not be creative. I was making the decision to not have time and to not start anything based on all the other things that were going on, if that makes sense. 100%. Well, it's it's funny to me because when we went for a walk on the beach several months ago, we were talking very similarly. And it was you being like, JD, start like you said you want to start like a business, like do go, go do it. You not doing it yet is fueling you not doing it. 100%. It's so we just get so accidentally back in that rut and that rut and that rut. And we're like, but it's scary and of course it's freaking scary and like with the humans have never been so connected to content as they are now Mm -hmm. and if you even spend 20 minutes on social media a day you will find a hundred things to compare yourself to a hundred ways in Mm -hmm. which you're failing according to someone else's standards Mm -hmm. and that flows ever so beautifully into the second part of it, which is imposter syndrome. And comparison can be such a killer of joy, but also a tool to improve. If you're comparing yourself in a way where you say, I'm not good enough, this person's much better than me, I'll never amount to the skills that they have, then absolutely it's awful. But if you're comparing in a way of discovery, then it can be great because at MakerCube, we have amazing people that are so creative and willing to share their skills. And if you have a question, they're willing to answer and teach you and show you how to do this thing with no judgment, really just that place to learn and grow. But I was in this really toxic mindset of I'm here to do what I need to do at work, but I'm not actively growing my skill sets or teaching anyone anything. Everyone's kind of rising above in that sense. And I am just wearing this fake 
creative hat. I don't actually have my creative hat on. It's just this fake persona. And that was very negative. Like imposter syndrome is not fun because you think you're undeserving of the success or the praise that people give you based on just what you've internalized of yourself. So that was another another thing that relates to comparison for me at least quite a bit. I have so many things to touch on there. I was like, yes, that's a point, that's a point, that's a point, that's a point, oh my gosh. So one thing that I've really, so I've been part of a membership community, like a self-development group for the past year. And it's been really helpful because in society we grow up against each other. Women are Mm -hmm. pinned against each other. But Mm -hmm. within the past year and a half, I've learned collaboration over competition. There are Mm -hmm. so many people out there that want to help. The most successful people are so ecstatic to pass on their knowledge and see other people succeed in the exact same field Mm -hmm. that they're in. 100%. Once we realize that and kind of like let that go and feed into being that person as well, holy moly. Mm -hmm. That was actually one of the first, I think, key points that I learned when we began MakerCube was collaboration over competition and community over competition. Mm -hmm. And we just reached out to a whole bunch of other businesses. And for myself, I joined like a small business group on Facebook for female entrepreneurs. And everyone's so supportive and so amazing. And for anyone that wants to be creative or wants to start something, absolutely connect with other people about it. Share what you're working on, connect with other like-minded businesses or individuals, and they'll share their knowledge with you. No one, I haven't had an experience with anyone that's protective of it. They want to talk about what they're working on and want to help. But I think, like you said, society makes it seem like people are pinning each other against one another it's not the case once you like reach your hand out and ask for help (laughs) that's a beautiful visual too I love that just because we're so ingrained to think that our hand is going to be slapped away if we reach it out Mm -hmm. but like good chance people will be clamoring to help people will be like oh my gosh yes absolutely let me grab your hand let me pull you up with me like let's go let's do this together you want to learn And sometimes that's the scary thing is asking and voicing that you might need help with something. Back in March, when I really wasn't feeling okay, I didn't want to acknowledge it and really make it real. But then when I became a lot more aware of how I was actually feeling and started to talk to people about it, like I talked to my best friend, I talked to my husband, And they were the ones that could help me along the way as much as it was my own personal responsibility to feel well, it helps to have people to talk to. And when it comes to just the simple thing of wanting to start an idea, it helps to have people to talk to as well. I I don't like working alone by any means. Again, and what is it? An Enneagram too? We like to work with other people. Yes, I love that. Community is so ultimately important. We are more connected and more disconnected than ever Mm -hmm. before. And I always thought I could make it on my own. And I did to a degree, but I feel like 
stepping into community unlocked different levels for me. Mm-hmm. Entering into even like you're saying Facebook groups, just purely being on podcast Facebook groups, the amount of information, like dozens and dozens and dozens of people are so excited to tell you what they've learned. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do trial and error alone. It is amazing how connected and how distant we are simultaneously. And I think the pandemic especially highlighted that because you could talk to people through a screen you could have zoom and all of these things but at the same time you could also feel really isolated and nowadays if you want to learn something there's so much on youtube there's an insane amount of knowledge on youtube and there's video subscriptions where you can go through online tutorials as well and just learn all these different things at home i think to go on that journey alone at least for me becomes less fulfilling in a way where I I want to share and get feedback and I know that I personally need a little bit of support sometimes I might need someone to metaphorically hold my hand if I'm struggling through it I love accountability yes you need that accountability (laughs) for sure and for some people maybe going at it solo in their learning process works better. I'd say 99% of people that I've talked to, they're sharing their journey. Other people are holding them accountable and they're accessing some sort of community to keep themselves going. That's important. And I think normalcy, like normalizing things is so crucial Mm -hmm. even the fact that you were able to have the conversations with your your friend group kind of thing about Mm -hmm. where you were at for myself and so I'm sure you as well when opening up about mental health struggles it's people messaging back and being like yes absolutely I feel this and that's a friendship we've always had one of us will message the other and be like oh my gosh I just saw your story and yes that trauma is my trauma so I love you (laughs) or just hey I'm here for you in any way that you need me to be like that's so valid to have. And once I was able to acknowledge, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is why I'm feeling it. I'm going to tell my support group so that they know why I'm feeling so shitty. Now I'm going to work through it. And the working through it for me was starting with just changing that narrative. So you have Mm -hmm. those mental barriers. You want to do something instead of saying, I'm worthless, I'm nothing, I'm not going to do any of it, it has to shift. Or for me, at least I have to have this dramatic shift of, okay, I want to start something and it may be challenging, but I'm going into this to learn and to grow and I can ask for help if I need it. And it's just that kinder voice that has to enter in order to get back into the creative intention, I guess. And once that shift slowly happens, then the magic can happen as well. (laughs) And another key part that I think I touched on a little bit at first was the neglect for self-care. I had to relearn how to take care of myself again. And that's eating a little bit healthier for me. Self-care is exercising, going on walks, yoga, meditation, journaling, 
those kind of things that I just was not doing that I had to bring back into my life to start taking care of myself again. And that in turn made the kindness that I wanted to give to myself a lot easier as well. Yeah, self-care and self-sabotage can kind of go hand in hand for me. Like, yes. As you were talking about self-sabotage earlier and talking about how you benefit when your workspace is set up or like when you've done little things of prep, for me, one of my biggest things that I need to function as a good human is to be fed. Like I need food and water yeah. and I am awful at prepping food for myself like mm. for the week kind of thing and I will let the bad mood of prep day carry on for that whole day and then I self-sabotage my entire week because I don't have lunches mm -hmm. and I'm miserable for the whole week because I'm yeah. haven't had food and I don't want to make the food yeah and you get so caught in that another something I really need is sleep I don't know how people function without like at least seven hours of sleep but I would actively be watching Netflix until like two in the morning, have to wake up early the next day, be so tired and not able to function. And then also mad at myself that I stayed up that late. So it was another kind of form of it. So my sleep is a lot better now, which is nice. And all of these different things are such different, different levels of self-care. Like sometimes it's baths and face masks. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's screaming in a field. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. actually preparing food for yourself. One thing that's helped me a lot is thinking of like future and past self kind of thing. So like when I'm current self and I'm making food, I have so much loving intention towards my future self. And mm -hmm. then future self opens the fridge and it's like, holy crap, I love you past self. Mm -hmm. And building on those wins is what helps that confidence comes back, helps that like that magic come back as well. Because mm -hmm. when you love yourself and like you see the acts of love that you've done for yourself in daily existence. Oh. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling to love yourself. And for some people, it's I think for for you and for myself, it can be very hard to love yourself at times for others. Maybe it comes a little bit more naturally, but we just have those few extra steps and those thoughts that we need to enter into our brains in order to love ourselves a little bit more. But once you do, it's really nice. <laughs> and I want to add on to that, that it's important to choose, again, our environments, choose what we are ingesting yes. both in our mouth, through our ears, through our eyes, mm -hmm. our skin contact, all of those things. Yeah. Do things that are going to make you feel good in the long run as well. Because something as simple as prepping might seem really difficult, but you know if you prep all your meals that day, it's going to make you feel good for the whole week versus just getting, I have nothing wrong with McDonald's. That's one of my favorite places to go. But in the long run, it's probably not going to be great to have McDonald's every night. <laughs> We're stealing joy from the next day by eating some of these foods that we're eating. Yeah. So a really big struggle with my creativity is that nervousness of I never want to be a hypocrite. So yeah. sometimes we put things out in the world. Like the one of the last blog posts I had written was like excitement because I saw hope in the future. And then 
I hit like a depressive moment like a mm -hmm. while later and then it came that hopelessness of like I'm a fraud because I experienced depression and ups and downs in my emotion and that's going to make me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's so that's so normal. I don't think there's anyone on this planet that ever experiences some form of self-doubt whether it's starting something challenging or you're in a relationship or you have a, a big test coming up, there's always some small form of self-doubt or that stress that's attached to it. But then when what happens with like self-sabotage and imposter syndrome, especially is you just hold on to that self-doubt and identify that as who you are. But one of my favorite things that my counselor actually said to me is you're not your thoughts. So you might think you're this awful human being or you might think that you're not creative or that you don't have a strong relationship, but that's what you're thinking. What are the facts? What are the th tangible things that you can work through? And as someone that's very emotions-based and, and your emotions based too, that can be, can be hard to separate yourself from your thoughts at times. Yeah, it's really just holding on to those feelings and then changing that narrative and working through it. It could cycle again. I know I'm going to continually experience moments of anxiety and moments of depression. But once you're aware, it becomes a lot easier to cycle out and not hold on to the, the guilt and the shame that attaches to it right away. It's just, oh, I'm having a thought. Doesn't make me feel very good. I wanna work through it. I don't want this to what I want to do. Forward. Sometimes that's a lot easier said than done. It takes practice. I'm sure, you know, five years down the road, I'll be a different person than I am today anyways, which is exciting. That's kind of the first step. <laughs> Absolutely. If you could synopsize an action tip for the person that is where you were in March, what is that very first step that you would say? Going, I guess, going back to when we were first talking about it, it is making the conscious decision that you do not want to be stuck anymore or to feel that way anymore. And just like I said with you, with your podcast, you have to decide to start, whether that's a podcast or an art project or a business, whatever it may be, you have to decide to start and change that. My husband actually talks about how there's a difference between having a goal and a wish. If you just wish for it, and he's so logical. Like we could talk all day about how wonderful he is. But if you have a wish, you're just putting it out there and that's awesome. But if you have a goal, you're going to make that plan. So decide that you don't want to feel that way anymore. Decide that you want to start. And then after taking care of yourself, doing what you need to do to feel better, start with a plan, have a goal, ask for help. 100% connect with the community and roll with the punches because it's not going to be easy by any means. <laughs> but with those things, it becomes a lot easier. Yes. Uh, all yeah. of that. All of that. 
Jacqueline. <laughs> well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for having this chat with me. I've had so much fun and we are absolutely going to do this in the future. Audience Woo-hoo. listening to this, uh, make sure to message me and Jacqueline being like, that episode is amazing and you guys need to do this more often because we will. I love it so much. <laughs> oh my God. So how can the people find you? How can we stalk you on social media? How do we support you and your loveliness? So for anyone that wants to learn more about MakerCube who might have a creative project of their own, you can find us on Instagram at MakerCube, M-A-K-E-R-C-U-B-E, or go to our website, www.makercube.ca. And for anyone that wants to follow my own creative journey, you can check out my Instagram at Coastal Mountain Calligraphy. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to support the heck out of you. I know I'm excited. Ryan and I are both really excited for when we eventually get to come make something at MakerCube because you're so close by and we love hanging out with you. Oh, I didn't even mention, Ryan has known you even longer than I have. He has. We have gone. We went to high school together. He was like a good friend. Well, thanks again for having me, though. This was awesome. And I'm super down to come back. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. You can tag me on Instagram at crying on my yoga mat so I can see what you're learning and loving about the show. Until next time.